I will never write a single line which I have not first felt in my own heart. He'll teach you everything! Truer words were never spoken. All right. Language and writing were made available. I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Here we are, born to be kings. This is John Helps You Write Better, and I'm John. So, you know, let's write better. Here we go. I thought today we could get a little bit technical and maybe not necessarily crunchy, but certainly a little bit more business-oriented and step away from writing specifically and talk about writing as sort of a publishing, production, marketing arm of things. Because once you're done writing your book, you're going to have to market it. And even while you're writing books, you're going to have to market existing books. And knowing some of those marketing tips and knowing some of those marketing concepts and just the general idea of how to grow an audience overall, it's pretty important. Now, I was on Substack over the weekend. And if you don't know what Substack is, I don't know how you've made it this far not knowing what Substack is, but the newsletter platform Substack, they have a social media sidecar to their motorcycle, I guess you could say, where they sort of, uh, it's it's long-form tweets, I guess. It might be the easiest way. It's Substack notes where, um, where something really interesting happens on Substack. Let's put it that way. It's populated by a couple different groups of people, Some of them are very um, assertive in their expertise. I made air quotes there. Uh, They're very happy to tell you about how much they're charging for a thing and how it's only accessible because of Substack and it's, it's some level of secret knowledge generally about things like how to write a Substack or how to market this or how to do that. And they have a a natural sense of gatekeeping because they're going to make it available only to paid subscribers. Now, there is, in this capitalist hellscape, nothing specifically and exactly wrong with putting some stuff behind a paywall. I do it. That's the nature of the beast. I would love not to, but, you know, I, I got bills and, and they refuse to just believe that I'm a good person and just accept it on faith. So instead I have to pay them money. So, Paywalls exist. It's a thing. But a lot of these people who are advertising these fantastic courses to grow your audience, grow your newsletter, you know, do all different kinds of things, they staple on a price tag. And I'm not entirely sure that charging $49 for an hour of conversation or $219 or $399 or $99 if you sign up in the first two days or whatever the shit it is, I'm not entirely sure those are legit. If I had the disposable income, hey, I'd sign up for that stuff and I'd, you know, unless I was terribly bound in a set of legal strictures, I would disseminate that information in my own way and give you the upper hand in knowing what the hell they're talking about. Because I think the vast majority of those people aren't so much giving you away, or sorry, giving away the, uh, the tremendous hard-won secrets of the universe. I think they're using a high price tag to leverage emotion. I think they're attaching this 
big cash spend, $200, $300 is not a small amount of money for people, especially when they're getting started, especially when they're already overwhelmed about what it is they have to do. They have this big giant sticker shock moment because they're counting on the fact that you'll pay this money because you're scared because you need to grow an audience because you know it's important because everybody says it's important, even though we don't really get into exactly why it's important, but it has something to do with the fact that if I don't grow my audience, there aren't people buying my books. And if I don't have people buying my books, I'm a bad writer. They, they tangle all those ideas together. And, and what we're left with are a variety of different people who are either giving you very recycled information just conveniently, or there are people who are flat out full of shit. I, I don't know how to uh, say that in any nicer way. Well, that's not entirely true. They're, they're, they're people who have a variable relationship with the truth, honesty, fairness, and good teaching practices. How's that sound? But by and large, um, a lot of these courses are full of fucking shit. So what I want to do today is is kind of thumb my nose at them because Substack has this kind of clickish attitude where like they want to be punk rock. They want to be like, yeah, I you know show up in my torn jeans and I put my feet up on the desk and I'm the cool teacher. But at the same time, they want to sound as though they have very much just come down from the salon where they were discussing, you know, the, the dialectics and how they have come across with all the fanciest of texts because they are academic and superior to you, the plebeians. Yeah, that, that, fuck that. That's stupid. Let's not do that. We can knock down all of those things because you don't need to because we just need to be people helping people make art because art is of the people, for the people, by the people, because of people. So, you know, maybe let's not sound as though we've got on some kind of tremendous intellectual sojourn, we can be smart and still be relatable. But they talk about these newsletters and they talk about like the exclusivity and it's a big circle jerk about like, oh my God, I love this person's newsletter. And then all they do is just praise each other and move on with their day, confident that I have 10,000 subscribers. Yeah, but are you really saying anything? What I want to start doing, what I want to definitely make sure of when I talk to you about marketing is that we prioritize the important shit and we minimize the sort of self-filating, great mythologizing that lets us all be superior while being completely oblivious to the fact that we're normal people or something. I, I, I can't stand that attitude. I can't stand that inherited sense of superiority. And it's worse when somebody's trying to teach something because that material, whatever they're trying to teach, should be made more accessible. And I understand, yeah, go out and get what you're worth because that's capitalism. That's what makes you a good worker drone in the economy or something. But at the same time, like you can't assume everybody's got a handle on the basics. So let's talk basic newsletter stuff today. Just plain and simple newsletter stuff. I'm going to give you four different kinds of newsletters for four different functions. And let's be clear that your newsletter, however frequently it goes out, and it should be frequent-ish, but however that newsletter goes out, it's going to be some amalgam of all four of these things. Sometimes it's going to be more one than the other. Sometimes it's going to be two out of the three or three out of the four. Sometimes it's going to be 60% this and 40% that, and that's fine. That's totally okay. So here we go. Four different kinds 
of newsletters. Now, I'm not talking like font and heading and big graphic or PDF or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just the, the nature of the text that is read by your readership. Four types. Here we go. Most common is going to be informational because you are looking to inform people. You're looking to provide them information, knowledge, stuff, facts, material that prior to reading the newsletter, they didn't know. This can be anything. This can be talking about how what it was like to write chapter 11 or when you're doing your next Zoom reading or when, what the cover reveal for the book is, something like that. You're just going to give them straight information. Plain, simple. Puts the news in newsletter is how you can think of that. It's no problem. Totally fine. Second, and this is where we get into some disagreed upon waters. So let's let's be really clear. The second is persuasive newsletter. You might also see this referenced or hear this talked about in terms of a sales newsletter because there's a debate as to whether or not if there's a spectrum, persuasive is the shallow end and sales is the deep end. I don't think that's really an argument or an idea worth engaging with because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if we're shallow or deep. It's serving the same function. A persuasive email or a sales email is encouraging you by pushing some emotional buttons, pushing some logic buttons, pushing some factual buttons, and setting you, the reader of that newsletter, towards taking an action, whether that's clicking a link or buying a book or going over here or signing up for this or watching that or whatever. There's some element of, hey, I want you to do a thing, whatever that thing is. That's persuasive. When it skews more towards a direct transaction, like click this link to buy my book, then we can argue that, yes, that's a more of a sales newsletter. But honestly, the label doesn't matter because we're still trying to be persuasive. The degree is nice to know but not critical. But there's your two kinds. We have information and persuasive. Third, pretty straightforward, we have celebratory. Celebratory is usually reserved for hitting big milestones celebratories, you know, hey, we have 300 subscribers, or it's my birthday, or, you know, here's a holiday I like to celebrate. Celebratory creates some reason or suggests some reason to change the emotional state of your readership. Yay, be happy. It's, you know, uh, this day of the month. Hooray, or we have 10,000 people reading this. Wow, so I'm going to give you something special, or I'm just going to inform you that we have that many people and say thank you, or, you know, something. The, the celebratory is skewed positive. It's really hard to have a negative celebration. It, that's, that's just weird. Yay, something bad happened doesn't really track well for readership. You know what I mean? But there are three of our four kinds. Informational, sales or persuasive, celebratory. Last is going to be announcement. Now, this might be the kind of newsletter you do the least frequently. And that's okay because you can argue that announcement is part of informational because you're informing them, you're telling people stuff that they might not already know about. But announcement is more specific. It's mostly and solely about just this thing. 
I'm going to, you know, show up to the live concert at, at XYZ location on Thursday, bring $5 for, for, you know, the door. An announcement is straightforward. The sales pitch of an announcement is implied by the nature of the announcement. Hey, it's Janet's birthday party on Tuesday. Don't forget. Here's the address, blah, blah, blah. Those are your four types of newsletter. Information, persuasive, celebration, announcement. Are there other kinds? Absolutely and totally, completely. And it's with well within reason that you're going to have in a newsletter some part that is, you know, information, some part that is sales, some part that is announcement maybe, some part that is celebratory. Sometimes all four will be present. Sometimes multiple things will repeat. You'll have two announcements and a sales. Who knows? That's fine. There is no magic formula for what needs to go into these things. And that's because we can't, no matter what anybody with a class or a course or a thingamajig on a stick can predict is the exact universal way of connecting with any readership. They, they just don't know. There is no one magic. Do this formula no matter what, and you will always get results, despite every course likely offering something like that. Yeah, there are some formulas. You want to know the degree, what's called the degree of pitch, so that you know what part of what section is doing the most emotional button pressing to encourage a sale. Yeah, you want to make sure that your informational sentences are declarative and engaging because you're holding people's attention. You want to make sure your celebration is appropriately framed as a positive. You don't want to be like, I guess it's okay that we hit this accomplishment. That's nice, but let's move on. You want to give things their appropriate weight. You want to give things their appropriate context. But there's still no magic formula that says do two of these, one of those, and four of those. We're not making brownies. This isn't like, you know, a special dinner or anything. It's a mishmash, an amalgam, some alchemy, all about different ways of connecting with your readership. What's overall the connective principle that brings readers to your newsletter is not one single item. They're not only coming because of your sales and not only coming because of how you write your celebration or how you write your information. It's the combo. It's the combo of parts, whatever they might be at the time, as well as how you have crafted each part. You write with a certain style. You say things in a certain way. The combination of those two things helps create retention. Because of that retention, you can capitalize and move into sales and persuasion and encouragement, all without tipping into the negative part of like exclusion or, or debate or demonization or any of the negative salesy manipulation tricks that we can employ to encourage people to create us versus them scenarios or RSOC good versus bad setups. You want to avoid all that shit. And a lot of courses, too many courses, unfortunately, predicate themselves, build themselves on this idea that you have to have a strange adversary, somebody distant and detached from you that you are aiming to go against. And so often, unfortunately, they frame that as everybody else with a newsletter, as if the number of people who can read a newsletter is finite and you must compete for their attention for it is scarce. And it's not. Uh, I get a ton of newsletters every week, somewhere around 30 or 40, I think I'm totally subscribed to on Substack. I, I don't always read all of them. There are some I will consider definite reads every week. There are others I read, you know, 
in, in the morning if I'm if I'm in an okay place mentally because they're kind of heavy. And there are others I'll tune in and out of. I'll still stay subscribed because it's free, whatever. I can always delete it and move on. But there are other ones, depending on their topic, I'll engage with. And there's some I'm a member of, but I'm like, I'm giving it a chance, I guess you could say. So, you know, maybe I'll delete it later. I should probably do that more frequently than I do. But the, the point remains that there's never going to be one magic formula, never going to be one magic thing. People can come and go and you can re-engage the previously un- unengaged or under-engaged because of how well you manipulate and transition from information to persuasion, from persuasion to information, from information to celebration, from celebration to announcement and announcement back to information, or whatever those cycles might be. Newsletters can be anything, anything at all. They can be short, they can be links, they can be calls to action. Yes, you're going to pay the price if it's too much of one and not enough of the other. There is a balance to find that is going to be unique and specific to you, but you're only going to find that by giving it a try. So I hope I've given you at least a little bit of a groundwork to be a bit more discerning rather than running off immediately to somebody who's going to tell you to make a vision board for the umpteenth time and then stare off into space, vaguely visualizing a goal you already had in mind, and then giving you reheated information, and then asking you for $200. I'll just tell you to sit down and talk to your reader as though, you know, you invited them over for lunch, and you have some stuff to say. Give that some thought. I'll talk to you tomorrow.